podcast. We are coming at you here on a Thursday evening. Brandon Marcus, Matt, Matt Warren back joining forces on the podcast as Matt has circled the globe. He's gone on his honeymoon and he is back after a hiatus as am I after that conversation with Noah Eagle. Took some weeks off after Matt and I went hard for several months going a couple times a week. But we are back with you on the Ethos Clippers podcast. Matt, how are you, my friend? Sports, Ethos, Clipper Nation, Brandon Marcus, how the heck are you? I am so darn excited to be back on the pod with you and with everybody listening. I've missed it. I'll be honest with you. I've I've been around the world and I, 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 I miss this podcast. Listen, I'm glad that you're back. I am looking forward to talking about Clippers basketball um, I took a couple weeks off for a couple of reasons. First of all, like I said, we had been going hard, so I wanted to kind of just give myself a chance to reset. And also, there really hasn't been that much of a news, and, and I didn't want to come on here and talk about some random stuff that, frankly, wasn't that big of a deal. I figured, you know what, wait a little bit, wait for Matt to come back. We would kind of hit on all the hot topics, and we'll go from there because allow a couple things to get settled, see free agency, and the trade rumors to start, and then we can kind of attack it. And so that's exactly what we're going to do here on this podcast, Matt. Um, And it's been nice to be able to watch the NBA Finals and not really have a rooting interest and just enjoy and root for good basketball. Um, At the same time, you kind of wish that you would have, have your team in it. But that being said, the one thing, and I think this is kind of where we can start our podcast very briefly, is that watching the Denver Nuggets do what they have done and dismantling the Lakers and then now up two games to one against Miami, there was no chance in hell this Clippers team was ever going to beat Denver. I mean, the Clippers struggled during the season against Denver, and now you see during the postseason that they would have screwed up in the postseason against Denver because Denver's just that damn good. So I guess screwed up is not even the right word. They they would have did the same thing the Lakers did, probably got swept. So I think that's one thing, Matt, that we can kind of take – and just enjoy the basketball and know that, hey, the Clippers had a weird-ass season, but in the end, they probably weren't going to win anyways. It actually started back with me with the Heat, but in the Knicks series where it was the first time in a really long time I just had zero sort of rooting interest except that I just wanted to watch good basketball. And and, in, and speaking of these finals, man, I've been enjoying it just just watching the guys on both teams, like the the chaos of the Heat and the undrafted narrative, and just Jimmy Butler, who I who I at this point can't get enough of, at least in these playoffs. And then on the flip side, of course, uh, Joker and Jamal Murray are just a tandem that's amazing to watch. It makes you, it does make you think in the back of your mind, boy, did we think we were going to have the best duo in the NBA? But perhaps we were wrong because you're right, there was nothing that the Clippers would be able to do against this Denver team. And frankly, nothing anybody in the West could do. Yeah. And I don't think there's much that the Heat can do, but it has been a pleasure to watch and just sort of a free, free spirit, free moving, um, as, as long as, at least as a Clippers fan, just no rooted interest, like I said, except to see good basketball. And now do I root a little bit against the Nuggets because of the bubble and, all, you know, all that kind of stuff? Maybe. But they're so good and they're so fun to watch that, I kind of forget about that almost immediately. Yeah, the one thing that if you're a Clipper fan and you want to see DeAndre Jordan and Reggie Jackson get rings, then sure, that, that you're, you may be rooting for Denver in that case. But at the same time, I mean, Miami is very hard to root against when they've got these guys that are undrafted that work their ass off and 
Jimmy Butler, man, it's it's difficult when you see the retweet from, uh, I believe it was Woj in 2018, that the Clippers refused to put Tobias Harris in a deal to acquire Jimmy Butler. And that was the sticking point. And you just wonder where the Clippers would be if they had Jimmy Butler. Um, they would obviously have probably never gotten Kawhi Leonard and Paul George together. Could they have gotten Kawhi Leonard? Maybe. Could they have gotten just Paul George by himself? Maybe. Uh, but man, who who knows where this Clippers would be if this Clippers team would be if they had Jimmy Butler? And I think looking at this now, I think I'd rather have Jimmy Butler than Kawhi Leonard or Paul George, which is a weird thing to say. Do you agree or disagree? It's weird, and I agree. I mean, you know, and I know Jimmy loves LA because I've seen him at Republic over here having a delicious hamburger and some wine. I mm-hmm. I did. I was able to snap a picture, but that's neither here nor there. The way that Jimmy Butler has consistently performed and at least brought up the heat in the in the past three years or four years, excuse me, but three three out of four of them just about all all th- th- two making to the finals should have been three if his foot. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. I would rather have Jimmy Butler than Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Having said that, it's really hard for me to say that about, and I'm sure we're going to get into those two guys. Obviously, it's a lot harder for me honestly, to say that about Paul George than it is to say about Kawhi. And I know that sounds a little strange because in a vacuum, Kawhi's the better player. But, you know, I, I think we've texted about this before and I've had a few chats on on Twitter about it because, of course, the the trade buzz and the offseason, what are the Clippers going to do, is hot. I, I'm in the camp of preferring Paul George on the team right now. And I think that's because of something that you and I talked about. Now, both are unlucky in injuries, but I think Paul George is honestly a better culture setter, which is a lot of a big reason people talk about Jimmy in such high regard. Interesting. Um, Cause I'm not sure I agree with that. Okay. Let's get into it. Um, but I want to, before we get into this Paul George Kawhi stuff, uh, there's a couple conversations that we're going to have on this podcast. And so for people that are listening um, right now, I'm going to go into a quick little chat about the salary cap and what we can expect from the, um, Clippers going forward and what we're going to see with the second apron and why that's going to impact the Clippers. Because if you've listened to some podcasts, um, I think Simmons and Rosillo have done a really good job on this the last couple of weeks, bringing up what the implications are and why teams like the Warriors and the Clippers are in trouble um, going forward. And so I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give a couple of little examples of what we're going to see from this new CBA, just to give our listeners, if you don't know yet, what to expect. And then I want to talk about this whole PG for Scoot Henderson debate that has certainly been going on the internet and whether you should trade PG at all. And then, of course, we're going to talk about Chris Paul because the news yesterday broke from Chris Haynes that he is expecting Chris Paul to be waived. That's what Chris Paul's camp is expecting. Then, of course, the news came out that Maybe Chris Paul's going to get traded. He's going to get maybe released and then re-sign with Phoenix. Uh, we'll see. But we'll get into Chris Paul and whether we want to welcome him back. But I want to give a quick little info session on what free agency is going to look like going forward. So here's the deal. The salary cap, I believe, is going to be around $160 million. And so you have a little bit of a buffer and i believe it goes to 175 is what the second apron's going to be around 175 right now the clippers are going to be over that at a, over 200 million dollars um, for the payroll so you're in the past what really didn't seem like an issue is now going to be an issue and the reason it wasn't an issue prior is because if the clippers 
had to pay luxury tax and they went over. Then Ballmer just went into his pockets and he wrote a check for whatever the Clippers were over. It's not a big deal when you're one of the richest per, per people in the world. Now, here's the issue is that when this new CBA comes into play, here are the restrictions that are going to come in for teams that go above that second apron, which means they go above that $175 million-ish mark. So teams above the second apron cannot use the taxpayer mid-level exception to sign free agents. So that is an exception that only tool tax teams currently have to pay free agents above the minimum salary. So such contracts could last up to three seasons, and this year they could pay as much as $6.479 million, according to CBS. So this rule would have prevented four different free agent signings in the 2022 offseason. Gallinari to the Celtics, DiVincenzo to the Warriors, Ingles to the Bucks, and John Wall to the Los Angeles Clippers. So that mid-level exception that you say, all right, it's a decent amount of money for someone that's kind of a veteran-type player or role-player type guy, that would be great to have. That's not going to exist if you go above that 175. Also, Teams above the second apron cannot sign players on the buyout market. Of course, we don't know what the exact definition of buyout market means yet. But, of course, you would think it's a guy who's going to get waived during the season and then latch on to a team. So, the Clippers have been a team that has gone after guys in the past that have been waived during the season. So, two big things that the Clippers would not be able to do. They would not be able to use that mid-level exception, and they would not be able to sign players in the buyout market. Now, that's not it. There's one other really big thing as well. Um, so one other side effect, if you go over that mark, is that you cannot trade a draft pick further than six years ahead. You can do it right now seven years ahead, but if you hit over that mark, you can't trade a draft pick over six years. So why does that matter again? Because the Clippers have obviously traded so many picks and done pick swaps with that Paul George deal, there's only so few picks the Clippers have left to trade. So, that brings us to where the Clippers are right now. And Matt, it's not in a good situation because you look at what the cap figure is going to be for Paul George and Kawhi Leonard next year. They're both going to be at $45.6 million. So that immediately puts you at $91 million for two players, which means that you have about 75 to $80 million or so before you hit that apron um, for the remaining, what is it, 11 guys, 12 guys. So it's not great. Um, curious, obviously, I just spoke a lot about the apron. Curious to get your thoughts on just that portion before we get into the actual players. Yeah, and that was a great job explaining it. I was hoping you were going to bring up the draft pick part of it because that's a really, really that is that hurts the team. I think almost more than anything. Like, forget the the monetary uh, aspects of it to where like repeater tax goes up. Um, if you're over the fifteen ten to fifteen million dollar threshold, instead of every dollar being two fifty, it's like three seventy five. Those numbers are incorrect, but it's something it's a it's a big increase uh, once you're so far over the over the cap. But it's really it's really going to limit and you're right, uh, Simmons and Rosilla did a, an excellent job in sort of outlining how it's gonna be a movie poster league, as they put it, and the and the two stars of the team, of course, for the Clippers are going to be Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and with their combined 90 plus 
million, you're it's going to be really tough to fill to feel the team around them, especially maneuvering your way into getting quality veterans, quality young players, or even just trading for a win now. I mean, it makes things so difficult that the Clippers really have a lot of offseason decisions to make, but I wonder if I wonder if the Clippers are already a little bit too hamstrung to even come back from it. You know, you can never say never, but yeah. this really puts them in an incredibly difficult position to succeed. And maybe if you had two stars who were somewhat reliable or that were young and growing. I mean, you know, you, you can look at a team like the OKC Thunder who are in great shape now with these new rules where they have maybe four guys who can max out in a few years. What are they going to do? So a lot of teams have a lot of decisions to make. But as far as the Clippers, because that's what this podcast is about, it's going to be very, very difficult for them to, A, not hit the, the first apron, let alone the second apron, which is which really, really limits your options in moves you can make and just... And with and with Paul George and Kawhi set to make what they are going to make next year is going to be interesting, of course. And then and then really when 2024, 25 season hits, when all all these things really come into play, the Clippers do have some expiring contracts that will happen. They, I mean, this, the team is just going to look so different. And it's it's super interesting to to kind of speculate and see what they will do in the future. I'm actually really curious on your thoughts. We haven't spoken in depth, us being uh, away and around the world and all that about what the future may or may not hold, but it's going to be incredibly interesting. I'm dying to hear your thoughts actually. Yeah. And so one thing to keep in mind is that I believe it it doesn't obviously come into effect this year. I think, I believe it's next year. Um, I could be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure um, that all this comes into play next season. But what is important to know is that you look at what the Clippers have right now. And so, like I said, about $91 million for George and Kawhi. Then you've got Norm for $18 million. You've got Marcus Morris for $17 million. Covington for 11.6, Batum for 11.7, Zoo for 11. So you add up those guys, and I mean, all of a sudden, you go 91 plus 18, that's 99, plus 17 for Marcus Morris, that's 116. Then you do plus 22 for Covington and Batum. All of a sudden, man, you're getting close to 145 to 150 million dollars, and you've still got to fill out the rest of your roster. So the issue is, um, and that doesn't include, by the way, Eric Gordon. And the thing with Eric Gordon is that the Clippers will see that 20 million become guaranteed if Eric Gordon's not waived by June 28th, 2023. So obviously, that is this year, June 28th. It is this month. So it is 20 days from today. So if Eric Gordon's not waived by June 28th, his 20 million becomes guaranteed. And so the question is, do you at do you take that money? I mean, do you release him or do you just put that money on your books? And it would obviously come off your books the following year. And I think that for the Clippers, it, it would be kind of a no-brainer at this point to just do it. The, and take the twenty million and and have him on your team. And the reason why I say that is because you traded a first round pick. You made it. You went from twentieth to thirtieth in this draft by acquiring Eric Gordon. Obviously, he didn't help you as much as you wanted him last year. So I, I would be surprised the Clippers just suddenly bite the bullet and wave him and basically say, "Hey, yeah, we moved down ten slots in the draft just so we could have Eric Gordon for two months." That would be surprising to me. 
Uh, do you think the Clippers keep Eric Gordon or do you think they waive him? I think they keep him. And if I understand this correctly, he'll, if they do keep him for the 20 million, his contract will be expiring. Yes. Seniors contract will be expiring. Yes. Batum's contract will be expiring. Covington's contract will be expiring. Yes. So in keeping Eric Gordon, even if it's a, on the surface, a move to, uh, like you said, because we traded so much for him, we moved down in the draft, and why would we only have him for two months? There is a, a seeming, seemingly there's a safety valve on that too, because expiring contracts could become even more attractive this year with everything with the new CBA hitting in 2024-25. So you can keep that in the back of your mind with signing someone like Eric Gordon. Yes, we love him, but look, if that contract needs to be moved and it's an expiring, so be it. Yeah. And here's the thing. Um, you look at guaranteed money on the Clippers books and beyond next season. So not this coming season, but the following season, 2024, 2025. There's only one player that is signed up past that year. And that is Norman Powell in 2025, 26. So the Clippers have no players on their books except for Norman Powell right now in 2025, 2026. So that is going to be three seasons obviously worth including next season um and obviously pg Kawhi, they have their opt-ins that they can do for 2024-25 which people are expecting them to do if they're both on the roster in the first year in the intuit dome and then they obviously become free agents um and who knows what will happen there so that will bring us now to this next conversation and that is do you trade paul george and do you trade him for the number three pick and Simons that's supposedly been floated out there? Now, before I even answer this question, um, I'm going to put it out there that I think it makes more sense for Portland to trade Damian Lillard than it does for them to trade Scoot Henderson, if he is the number three pick, and Simons to get a big player like Paul George back. Because Paul George and Damian Lillard are not going to win you a title. And so right now it makes more sense for Portland to reset knowing where the rest of the conference looks. I mean, you look at what Memphis is doing. You look at the Pelicans. You look at Denver, obviously, of course. You look at even the Lakers with AD and LeBron. You look at teams all around and the Warriors and what they can do in these next couple of years. And if you're Portland, it doesn't make sense to give it that one last go with Damian Lillard. I mean, your team is frankly, not good enough. So I'll put it out there before I even answer this question of do you trade the number three pick and Simons for Paul George? I don't think that Portland's even going to do it. But I guess it's worth asking, would you do it, Matt? Would you trade? If Portland calls you up and they say, hey, we want Paul George, we'll give you the number three pick and we'll give you Anthony Simons, would you do it? Okay, so there's a, there's a few things to unpack. I want to circle back real quick to the CBA. I know I know we've already moved past it. Okay, go ahead. We're over it. But just quickly, I just want to bring up with contracts like Eric Gordon's, seniors, whatever, just bigger contracts. Something to keep in mind, too, is that teams will have to now hit the salary floor, which is 90% of the cap. Otherwise, they don't get to participate in a lot of the tax sharing. So bigger contracts to tra- to give teams or trade with teams, if we can even trade because of the aprons. There is a little a little more maneuvering there to get teams into the above the 90% threshold so that they can participate. This seems like the Spurs, Rockets, whoever the case may be when the time comes. 
But that was just something I was thinking about when you were talking about. Mm-hmm. I think you're exactly right that it makes no sense for Portland to trade Damian Lillard. Or not Damian Lillard. Uh, the, the third pick and Simons for Paul George. I mean, it's a lateral move at best and probably less than a lateral move, to be honest with you. I mean, for for what for what kind of draft picks are going out now for quote-unquote superstars, for an actual superstar? I mean, you could just get the farm, I'm sure. So I think you're right. But if my Skype decides to work after 15, 20 minutes of meandering with a new microphone and it's Portland on the other line, and they're saying we want to give you the number three pick, which could indeed be Scoot Henderson, yeah, and we're going to give you Anthony Simons, and you have to give us Paul George and we'll work out the details after that. And I said this <laughs> not, not 20 minutes ago. I think I love Paul George and I would hate to trade him. I, I'm clicking the yes button. I'm saying yes, and then the next move has to be, and unfortunately you're not going to get market value for Kawhi, but the next move has to be to shopping because if you're doing that, then it's blow-up mode. It makes no sense to have Kawhi on a team that's now in sort of rebuild mode. You need to reset, and I would reluctantly, and I'll, I, I may change my mind as I'm sleeping this tonight or over the weekend, as I'm at brunch, but as of this very moment, as you're asking me the question, Brandon, Portland calls me, I think I say yes. Interesting. I disagree completely on the Kawhi take. Um, I, I don't think that you can move into a new arena without at least one of Kawhi or Paul George. I just I just don't think you can do that. Um, you can't be in rebuild mode as you move, move into the new arena. I don't think Steve Ballmer would do that. Um, I think that the reason why... Um, I would do this trade and and you might be thinking, hey, why would you trade away Paul George when he's that superstar and get a guy in Scoot Henderson who we have no idea if he's going to be any good and Anthony Simons, who's frankly just a really streaky shooter and could be exposed defensively. I mean, he does not do that much defensively um, and frankly, he's just a better Bones Highland at this point where he is a very good shooter and he can attack the hoop and shoot M- mostly though he's going to be a shooting guy. Um, and the answer is why I do this is because I I don't think Paul George is worth the money anymore. And it's really concerning the amount of times that he keeps getting hurt. And with Paul George, I mean, with Kawhi Leonard, it's the ACL. It's kind of been the issue. And it's certainly concerning that his knees have continued to bark up and they've been issues, but with PG, it's always something new. And I just wonder with him, um, can he be the guy? And I don't think he can. And it's it's funny. A clip was circulating today from his podcast where he was talking about that game in Denver and how they got their asses kicked and they were down by like 50 and how he tried playing through it when he was a little bit hurt. And that's when he kind of had to go sit down for a little while after that because he re-injured himself in that game. And the thing is with him and – I remember when Law Murray was on the podcast and he said that in pure talent, Paul George can be better than Kawhi Leonard. I remember him saying that in pure talent, PG can be better. But the thing is, I don't know if Paul George mentally right now can be that guy. There are way too many times where he's passive in a half where he should be putting up a bunch of shots, where he said that he's the 1B to Kawhi's 1A, or the number 2 to Kawhi's number 1. Um, there are just too many times where he feels like he's okay taking the back seat 
and not being that guy. And I don't think he wants the responsibility. He didn't want the responsibility of being like a ball handler. He didn't want the responsibility of being the number one guy. I just don't think he's worth paying this money if he's A, not going to be um, in that mental capacity to be that number one guy if the Clippers need him because Kawhi certainly not going to be available for all the entire season. And B, if he's going to continue to get hurt. So I, I, I'm happy to get rid of him purely because I think you're better off with a guy like Scoot Henderson and Simons and seeing what else type of money you can use to get other players. But that, that's why I would do the trade, Matt. Okay, so I... I have to push back because I actually I I, I don't just I, I don't disagree with you that the Paul George trade is a good idea to Portland just because you're getting an influx of young players. But if you're getting an influx of young players and you have another superstar who, by the way, if I'm going to the Intuit Dome and I have a guy who's just pleading and he's trying to play through injury and he's trying to get there, not to say Kawhi doesn't try to play through injury, but I I am putting all my chips and I know he. I know maybe you don't think he's mentally up for it, and you know it seems like he wasn't a lot of the time. But I don't want to talk about the OKC days. But he can be a number one on team, maybe not anymore. Yep. But I look. I, I it's hard to trust either of these guys. But if I'm if I'm betting if I'm betting the farm, if there's a Nerf gun to my head, I mean, just give me give me Paul George. Honestly, I know Kawhi's far better, but. I don't trust Kawhi to be there for two rounds. I I think I trust Paul George to be there more for two rounds. I mean, he he Paul George was there to a conference finals. Yep. So so going into going into a new stadium, and I, I totally get what you're saying, and you're probably right. I'm probably in the minority here because of course, who wouldn't pick Kawhi Leonard over Paul George? Except it's me. I think I, I think I would. After after all all this time watching both of them, I I just feel differently. I I feel like. Going into a new stadium, you know, you know, Paul George is a is a big media presence now. Maybe that helps if you're trying to sell stuff. But I do also think he's more of a clipper and who you want to sort of be like. This is our image. This is who we are. Maybe the guy, maybe the guy does get hurt quite a bit, but I swear he wants to be here and I swear he wants to play for this team. I don't know if I feel the same way about Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard will win you more games if he's healthy, but who knows if either of them are going to be healthy. So in that regard. I gotta, I gotta push my chips into the Paul George table. I know we we don't always disagree, Brandon. We don't always agree, and I disagree with you on this one. And I'm I'm curious to think what everyone else thinks. I'm sure I'm in the minority, but no, I don't think you are. And here here's the funny thing, um, is that for the long term, I would do the Paul George trade, um, and I would go ahead and say yes and get a guy like Scoot Henderson and get Simons, and who knows what else that would mean for the rest of the Clippers roster. But that being said, and this is going to go back to the start of the podcast with a line that you said, which I was going to say basically the exact same line, where the Clippers have kind of made their bed, and the the roster they have is kind of the roster they have to go with. And there's not a lot of wiggle room. So it, it really feels like the Clippers' move right now is they have to run it back. And they have to just bring Paul George and Kawhi Leonard back. And you have to see if it works. And if it works, great. Um, You'll see how far they can go. And if it doesn't, then you can kind of evaluate it either at the trade deadline or next year um, and, and see what happens. But it's a difficult situation because... There are fans out there like, all right, why don't you just go ahead and trade Marcus Morris and trade Batum or Covington, trade two of the three of those guys and get a good player that's at $29 million or $30 million. 
the thing is, like, why would the other team do that if they're not getting something back? Like, nobody wants to build around Marcus Morris. Nobody wants to build around Batum and Covington. Like, all older players, especially Marcus Morris and Batum. And then you look and you see the back to the draft capital, the Clippers don't have much of it to trade. So there's not much the Clippers can offer teams. And so I love how Clippers Twitter is going crazy. Hey, let's do this. Let's do that. Like, the Clippers packages are going to be so much worse than other teams. Like you look at the thunder, the thunder have all these young guys that they could offer. If they wanted talent, you look at the Pelicans, the Pelicans have young talent that they can offer. If they wanted to get somebody, the Clippers are just in a really bad situation and they don't have many assets and they have two guys that they've built their team around. They can't stay healthy. And so it really feels like the Clippers just have to go with what they have. And so, yeah, we can have this conversation about the number three pick. But like I said, to start the conversation, I don't think it's going to happen. It's not realistic. I don't think Portland's going to go ahead and put that on the table. And by the way, I don't think Paul George is going to be the best offer they're going to get. So, sure, I can say all I want that I would take Scoot Henderson because I think it would help the future more. But at the same time... I don't think the Clippers are going to have the best offer. So I think it's a moot point, and I don't think it's going to matter. So I think with the Clippers, they're just going to have to be in run-it-back mode, which is not ideal, but kind of feels like that's the case that – or that's the place that they're in right now, Matt. And, Brandon, this is probably the longest we've gone since February where we haven't even mentioned Russell Westbrook's name. That's another wrinkle that the Clippers are going to have to think about and and put into this fold. So that's just another – Salary, you know, we talk about mid levels and all this kind of stuff. I mean, that's just another player who could who could possibly be on this team if we're talking about running it back. So you're right; it's not to this level, but of course, um, you know, much, if Kyrie had his way, then yeah, Dallas Dallas would give uh, Bertans, Tim Hardaway Jr., and a bunch of young players for LeBron. But you yeah. can't you can't always make the trade that you want as the team that wants the other guy or guys, which yeah. in this case, and with a lot of Clipper nation, I'm part of it, man. I, I'll get swept away with, up in it too. And you just got to kind of sit back and you said it best. The, the ugly truth is we're going to be running this back because that's yeah. really kind of the only option at this point. Yeah. Unless something miraculous happens and listen, Lawrence, yeah, oh, sure, Lawrence sure. Frank has done that where he was able to get, Covington and Norm Powell from Portland, which I thought was an absolute heist, giving away guys that like Keon Johnson that frankly weren't a part of your future. Um, and it, it worked out Justice Winslow, like you traded guys that frankly the Clippers weren't going to use. And if another team wants to go ahead and take some of the Clippers scraps and guys like Marcus Morris, uh, then sure, that the great, but I just don't think it's going to happen. So you, I feel like you're kind of stuck with what you got. And the salary cap's not great, but we'll see. And the one thing you can do is you you can figure out what you're going to do with Russell Westbrook. And I'm glad you brought that up because that can kind of lead us into the Chris Paul conversation, unless you've got more to talk about on our, our last topic. Um, the Russell Westbrook or Chris Paul type of thing. Like, do you even bring Chris Paul back? And so before we bring back, before we answer that question of can you bring Chris Paul back, I think it's worth going once again to the numbers and with the Clippers because of the situation they're in, there's not much they can offer Chris Paul. Um, And I don't really know what they think they're going to be able to offer him. If he is indeed waived by Phoenix, 
I, I just don't think that he would sign for the vet minimum or a very low number. I don't know if they have the mid-level exception that they can give him because John Wall obviously is no longer with the Clippers. But nonetheless, like it's it's not a contract the Clippers are going to be able to beat other teams with. Like that's just not going to happen. They're not going to have the money. So I guess I'll I'll ask you the question: Do you want Chris Paul back on the Clippers? Uh, the answer is no. Okay. I don't I don't want Chris Paul back on the Clippers. He's, he's 38, or at least going to be. Uh, he can stay healthy even less so than Kawhi and Paul George. And look, I do think fondly back on the Lob City days, but we're well past that. And what he would require, like you just laid out, contract-wise, uh, ball-handling-wise, and just... I don't believe he's going to be able to stay healthy. I don't think it's the right fit. And I don't think it's the right move. And I don't think he would want to do it anyway. So here's some perspective. LeBron James is a guy that we're all like, oh, man, this guy's incredible. He's going to play forever. LeBron and CP3 are the same age. Like that. LeBron is old. Chris Paul is old, too. And you look at Chris Paul. He is 12 years older than Devin Booker. He is one year younger than Carmelo Anthony. He is five years older than James Harden. He's four years older than Russell Westbrook. Like, this is a guy that is old, and he went through one or two seasons where he was able to stay healthy, but he consistently gets hurt. Consistently. And we've seen it with the Clippers. In the postseason, he could not stay healthy. He is another player that if you bring him on, you don't know if he's going to be available. And not only do you not know if he's going to be available for the postseason, but you're going to have to load manage him during the regular season. So that means you have three players that you're not going to be able to play the regular complement of games because they're old. So can you bring Chris Paul into the mix and say, hell, who cares? This team is screwed anyways. Um, you might as well throw him into the mix and see if it clicks. Yeah, you can. I mean, if, if it happens... That's going to be the reason why, Matt, because the Clippers say we are so screwed right now with our roster and we have so little flexibility that if he's able to sign for whatever small amount he can sign with the Clippers, then yeah, great. Let's try it. Let's hope and pray and cross all of our fingers and toes that he, Kawhi and PG are healthy going into the postseason. And let's see if the three of them can cause some damage with guys like Zoo and Terrence Mann. Like, let's see if the Clippers can do that. Like, I can see the Clippers doing that. But at the same time, we've seen with the Heat and we've seen with Denver that the locker room matters. And let's not forget, this is the same locker room that was behind Pat Bev when he shoved Chris Paul in the back at the end of the playoffs when the Clippers got eliminated a couple of years ago. So these guys don't really love Chris Paul. So would they welcome him? I'm not sure. Would he be good for the locker room? I don't think so. I mean, you look at the Lob City Clippers, and we've heard about how Blake and Chris got into arguments, and Chris was so hard on his teammates. I think he wants to chase the title. I think he'd be willing to join the Clippers, but I got to say this. I think he joins the Lakers. I think it makes way more sense for him to go back with his buddy LeBron, and they're looking for that that point guard, and it could be an aging guy like Chris Paul. So that's my take on Chris Paul, and I don't think he's going to join the Clippers. I think he's bad for the locker room. 
Um, I think that if he does join the Clippers, it'd be very much a what-the-hell move by the Clippers. You might as well try something because you're in such a bad state. You might as well try it. Yeah, I have to agree with you that I don't think he'd be an addition to the locker room, probably just a distraction. You talk about load managing, Brandon. CP3 played played 59 games last year, and I don't think they were really load managing him, and he still didn't make it through the playoffs. So forget that as an option. Uh, I kind of would like to see him go go to the Lakers. I think it'd be hilarious. Where um, My, my uh, out-of-left-field idea is for him to go back where it all started to New Orleans and sort of shepherd that team into a new era, join the backcourt with C.J. McCollum if, if Zion can be healthy and play. I think that'd be kind of fun. But I don't see him on the clips, and it would make sense to do a little banana boat reunion on the uh, on the Lakers. Yeah, it just seems like that's the most likely outcome. I mean, sure, the Clippers could also um, – could. I don't know, man. I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. I, I could see Phoenix waving him and then re-signing him at a cheaper number. Um, because he likes being with Devin Booker. Uh, but who knows what Matt Ishbia is going to do, man. He He's a total wild card. He's fired Monty Williams. He has traded for Kevin Durant. Like, who knows what he's going to try and do. And now we're hearing Ramona Shelburne say, look out for the James Harden possibility of joining the Phoenix Suns. Like, that would be a Matt Ishbia type move. You might as well try and throw another Hail Mary and bring another guy. Like, it, it's, I don't know. I, I don't think that, Chris Paul's going to end up with the Suns, and I think we're both in agreement that, frankly, we don't want him. And as great as he was in that series against the Suns, and as great as he was for the Clippers for a long time, and how he and Blake really helped usher in this new era of Clippers basketball where we expect to win every single year, I think the time has passed. And I don't think that he would be a good fit with this team, both on and off the court. It just doesn't make sense. And frankly, I don't want to see another player on this team that can't stay healthy during a season. Like I've had enough with Kawhi and PG. I don't need another guy in Chris Paul that is consistently getting injured. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't, it, it, it doesn't make sense. And that's, that's all we need as Clippers fans is another headache is another older guy. who just can't stay on the court. We all know, we all know what CP3 did for the team with Blake and DeAndre, like you said, and all the other guys. And we'll always love him for it, but, Gosh darn it, it doesn't make any sense. And for the record, I like Fred Van Vliet for the Suns. But anyway, that's beyond that zone. Yeah, listen, that's a possibility as well. So, I, I don't know. We'll see what happens going forward. I think the last thing that we can hit on, because you touched on it during this podcast, and we've already hit on the salary cap, we hit on the number three pick, and we hit on CP3. Um, you mentioned that you'd rather build around PG than Kawhi. Um, curious what type of player you would want back in a trade for Kawhi? Would you want to try and get somebody younger with some and get some draft capital? Or would you try and get another type veteran type that could try and be in a win now? So I guess I sh- when I said I would rather keep Paul George than Kawhi Leonard, I kind of think if you trade one, you trade the other. Okay. So it's, it's not exactly an either or for me. It's a, so you're it's a both you're, or, it's you're a run both it or back. none. Yeah, you're running back or blow a, it up. It's a both or none for me. So yeah. it'd be kind of hard for me to figure out who I want to build around Paul George because yeah. I just think it'd be a little bit more of the same, same, especially because you'd be getting such a discounted price on Kawhi with the knee injury that we're assuming he's going to come to camp yeah. healthy with, but who the heck knows? Yeah. So it, it, it would take like, a, I mean, you know, would. 
would would the, would there be like some sort of weird sign entry to get Fred Van Vliet and Siakam? But of course, that doesn't make any sense. That's yeah. the, you know, I could come up with a million pie in the sky things, but so I hate to answer it with a non-answer, but I think it's it's both or none. It's blow up or we just run it back. And like you said, run it back is the is probably the option. So I I know that's not the the the, the most exciting answer, but that's that's just that's the only one I got. It's funny because we spent this whole podcast speculating about free agency and the number three pick and CP3 and all that. But I feel like it's all just going to be talk just to fill a podcast and it's not going to have anything to do with what we see on the court. Like it feels like we're just going to see the same exact team basically go at it again without with some maybe some trimming around the edges. But we can be surprised. It's possible. I mean, Lawrence Frank has done a really nice job. So, um, Bob Myers is not walking through that door. Michael Winger is gone. He's with the Wizards, uh, but no Bob Myers. So it's up to the same front office that has been working the last several years to try and work around the edges. And do you bring back Russell Westbrook and have the same exact team go at it and hope that Kawhi and PG are both healthy? Sure, but I'm going to end the podcast by saying this. I don't think it matters. I, I just don't think this Clippers team is good enough. I think that the window is as close to shut as it's going to get. You've got one more chance to run it back um, with Kawhi and PG fully healthy. You do have a chance to win it all. And the only reason why I say that is because you never know what's going to happen in the postseason. You've got to win four games each series. You never know who's going to be hurt. I mean, right now, Jimmy Butler is playing with what seems like a bum ankle. So injuries can happen. And we've seen that with the Clippers. But it, it really feels like the Clippers have... Basically, they had their chances in the last couple of years, and they've blown it. And so this feels like the last chance for the Clippers this coming season. And I just don't think they're better. I don't think they're as good as some of these other teams. I don't think they take the regular season serious enough. I mean, you look at their their numbers last year, and they were just god-awful. Their record was not good enough. And I just don't think this team can flip the switch and win a title next year. But that, that's my take. Curious if you agree or disagree. I agree in that this is sort of a... Last dance is obviously not the yeah. way to put it because it's not as if it's some unbeatable team that is this dynasty and we have one more chance to really close it out for our teams. It's it's more of a it's more of a please can we just get invited to the prom here? Could we could we get a dance? Would would be a would be a great scenario for Clippers fans. But I do think there's a chance because there's always a chance because like you said, we see where the heat are right now. And of course there's going to be so many obstacles to go through so many great teams in the West, so many question marks, but I do think there's a chance this year. We are going to have to run it back being the Clippers. There are moves around the margins with the Eric Gordons. And I know it seems impossible, but the Marcus Morris's of the world and maybe even the Robert Covington's. So there is there is room for improvement, but it's going to be marginal. And it's really, really, really going to depend on the two superstars. And it's really going to depend on Lawrence Frank and Ty Lu and the guys and us here at Sports Ethos Clippers and everybody listening and all of Clipper Nation finding a four, all collectively finding a four-leaf clover and not a Celtics four-leaf clover, but a real four-leaf clover in our pocket because it's going to take so much luck to run through an entire season, let alone a postseason and get to the promised land where we would like to be. And before we close this, Brandon, hmm. can I tell you one quick story yes. about London? Yes. Okay. And as you know, and I, I, I didn't tell you the specific details because A, they're gross, and 
be it would just take too long and i wanted to save it here for the pod and for our listeners because i think you guys will enjoy this in london had the best time honeymoon my wife paris london greatest time in the world we check into our new hotel in london it's the last friday we're there we're we're dog tired we've gone on a bunch of tours and we ordered room service because why not you know we're in bathrobes ordering room service we've got the bubble bath all ready to go hmm. and we're just the best night in the world two in the morning or actually yeah, 1 32 in the morning london time i wake up and i bolt for the bathroom and i unfortunately have just really really bad food poisoning from from the fish and chips hmm. from the room service and it's as it's as bad and as gross as you can probably imagine so I'm sitting there, I'm making my wife scared, I'm making all of these noises that are just the worst in the world, and the whole entire time, mind you, this is London time, it's two in the morning, whatever the case, the whole time, I've got my phone out, and I'm watching the Lakers lose to the Denver Nuggets, <laughs> loving life, with a big smile on my face, making the most horrendous noises you could possibly imagine, Not, I, I thought I was going to jump out of the window, I felt so poorly, but I didn't. Because the Lakers were getting handled by the Nuggets, uh, and I just had a huge smile on my face, and it saved the night. It didn't save the trip, because the trip didn't need saving. It was amazing, but boy, that was a funny night and a funny experience. And there lies where the Lakers' misery is on Matt's totem pole of excitement, and it's right there at the top that even though he has food poisoning, if the Lakers are losing, all is right. In the world, so uh, that's a good one. I'm glad you had a good time. Uh, London's one of my favorite places. I'm so glad you had a great time. You got a chance to get some good Indian food. Um, the shoom. I'm glad the shoom came through for you. Fantastic recommendation for, that I got it from a friend, and I'm happy to pass it along whenever I get a chance. So if you do go to London, highly recommend the shoom. Um, fantastic Indian uh, food as well, and in, uh, pasta as well from Padella is a great place as well for anybody that's going to London that is a listener. So it's great to be back. We will be back um, in the next couple of weeks. Um, I'm also going to try and get some other guests on as well that we've had previously, and we'll see where it goes because we've got the draft in a couple of weeks, and we'll see who the Clippers go and get towards the end of the first round and what the Clippers do. Um, do they end up keeping Eric Gordon, or do they waive him before that number comes into fruition, that $20 million goes on to the books on June 28th. So we'll see how it goes. If you can rate and review the podcast, always does help. If you can share it with all your Clippers friends, always would be appreciated. At Ethos Clippers is the Twitter handle for the podcast. At Matt Mattawarren on Twitter for Matt. At BD Marcus for myself. Always do appreciate everybody listening. Hope you've enjoyed the offseason so far. There is certainly more to come as we've got a couple more months until the season will kick back up in October. But until next time, he's Matt. I'm Brandon. And go Clips. Go Clips. Go Clips.